Let's go. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Town TV. I am Paul, and with me today are Kathleen and Brian. We have waited so long, so long for season three, and it is finally here. The Amazons, the boys, we're about to dive very deep into episode one right now. We covered all of season two, so if you guys want to get a recap of what happened, it's a great way to do that. Go listen to those. We had so much fun covering it. We had, I think, like the entire squad on for at least one episode here or there. It was a lot of fun, and already for episodes one and two, it is still a lot of fun. Um, We were lucky enough to get the screeners for this entire season, but as of right now, we've only seen episodes one and two, so there will be no spoilers beyond that. And we are going to have actually a lot of predictions, most likely, about how the season is going to go. So, Kathleen, Brian, what is your guys' initial thoughts? I can take this one. There you go. You take it, <laughs> Kathleen. Um, I absolutely loved it. It's it's quintessential the boys. I mean, the dick scene is like yes. the first thing that you think of when you think of these two episodes. That and the end of episode two, which is absolutely bonkers. But I thought it was right on the money. Um, I liked that. It's kind of completely different than the rest of the seasons, right? Everyone's going off on their own and in a different spot than they were when we left off. We didn't really know where they were going to go at the end. So I'm pumped for to dig into one and two. But first first reactions were fucking amazing. Love it. Yeah, I mean, the boys are kind of fragmented to start off uh, season three. MM's going his own way. Huey seemingly is going straight. Um, But I couldn't agree more with you. It was so much fun to just jump back into the boys. Um, I, I think by the end of just these two episodes, I was reminded, oh, yeah, this is why I thought this is like my favorite ongoing show on live TV right now. But in the first like five minutes, I was like, are they trying too hard to recreate like the classic boys magic? Are you having a little wardrobe malfunction up there? I Kathleen? sure was. <laughs> was Nobody funny. saw that. Um, but yeah, in the first five minutes, I was like, are they trying too hard to like recreate the magic? But then the dick scene happened and I was just like, no, 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 this is just like classic the boys. And it seems like the good times are still just like rolling along. I, you know what what more can you say it's it's classic the boys yeah i literally texted you guys or i texted the chat just saying like the boys does not miss man like we've only seen episodes one and two of season three but they uh, have just repeatedly put out phenomenal episodes i mean the one i just did a season one and two rewatch which was so fucking fun and we just did diabolical also is something we covered on the pod as well but the end of season two huey's like I don't want it to be covered in blood. And then this these episodes really delivered. I mean, you got to have so much blood. I fucking love that. The penis scene, but that the way I think what was at the end of season or episode one where um, mm-hmm. he gets just the blood splatter behind the dump, the dumpster was just chef's kiss. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That whole Newman scene was just like, imagine being Huey behind that dumpster, just having the veil lifted and being like, oh, my gosh, she's the head popper. I feel like you said the other two scenes stuck in your mind. That was the scene that really stuck with me. That end of episode one. Yeah, definitely. Let's just actually get right into it and talk about the 12 month time skip, because that's what we get um, right at the beginning of episode one. Um, We already talked about a few of the characters, but to catch up with everybody fully um huey is now like basically newman's right hand in the federal 
Bureau of Superhuman Resources, I think is is what their business Superhuman was. Affairs, the FBSA. That's what it was. Um, so they have been working nonstop the past 12 months to get what they call it soup collateral damage down. And it's just the deaths of innocents all around um, or just crimes by soups in general. Um, because as we know, we get introduced to Huey walking in the office and going, oh, boss, got a file for you. Some girl caught a soup jacking off outside of her window, outside of an airplane window. And he was like, all right, don't worry. I'll take care of it. Just another Monday. So he is, he's like clean now, like in a suit, go every day to work. The whole beginning of this episode one, you're just waiting for the other shoe to drop because he's got this nice flashy new apartment. He's making these nice like morning smoothies, getting on the elliptical, like Huey's life is trending up. And you're just like, when is someone just going to come in and ruin this for him? But Uptown Girl is playing him and Starlight start doing things to each other. I mean, yeah, it's good times for Huey right now. It's funny because Huey's doing all this working out, but um, Frenchie's the one who's absolutely yoked this that season. That was the first thing you texted me. That must have been five <laughs> minutes after you started watching. Just Frenchie's yoked. And boy, was he. His voice <laughs> sounds deeper, too. Did you guys notice that? I did not I, catch that. I did. I was like, you do sound a little bit tougher. Maybe that's just like the way I remember him as being like so cute the way he says my cure yeah yeah he's like french he's, he's the good he's the sweet guy even though he's like the one that you don't want to fuck with um he he is awesome and um i mean he and kimiko are still with butcher they're still doing the operations we we actually get the opening scene is yeah. we don't know what's going on well you do actually really quickly because this is classic boys fashion horrible acting horrible script but it is Homelander playing Homelander and another stand in to play Stormfront, because as we know, the public has come to the realization that she is literally a Nazi. She was peddling compound V to just build an army of uh, Aryan race. The whole so. public essentially knows what happened in season two. So mm-hmm. Vault comes in, recasts Stormfront as Charlize Theron. I'm pretty sure it was actually her there and they rewrite the narrative that homelander courageously went against his heart and condemned her for being a nazi bitch um it's how could you i loved you like all this other (laughs) stuff in there yeah and this was actually the premiere of the movie that was in production all of season two uh dawn of the seven Mm -hmm. and we do get the director adam bork i think his name is and uh, he was in season two. He had a few scenes where he was explaining this whole movie. And uh, we get him recurring in the first episode. He mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, saying, you know, the reshoots were tough, you know, when you know, the whole Nazi stuff came out. And so we had to just completely shift. Later, we get him and Ashley in the bathroom. What a scene. I think like four <laughs> minutes in, five minutes in. And she's like, you, you're a shitty director. Like you didn't even reshoot. You didn't even do those reshoots. <laughs> Can oh, I get your guys' opinion on Ashley just generally as a character? Because <laughs> I think it's pretty divisive. I am an Ashley fan. I think she really like filled her shoes the back half of season two when she stopped giving a fuck and understood the role and was just like i don't care about you you or you just do shit and keep these superheroes happy i respect it i think it's the more accurate representation of like a madeline Stillwell, well where madeline was so Mm -hmm. calm and collected and such a boss all the time and 
only because she like had Homelander by the balls and yeah. so, so many different things. But she actually doesn't have anybody by the balls. She's just like losing her fucking mind and her hair because everything is so crazy. And I think it's a pretty accurate like what a depiction of what it would actually be to be dealing with these absolute monsters at all, like egomaniac monsters at all times. So I, I'm a I'm a stan as well. She I mean, she sucks, but in a good way. <laughs> well, now she's leaning into it, like telling directors to pull her hair out in bathroom stalls. <laughs> also, hashtag Bork cut. Yeah, that would be oh, funny oh, to oh. see the, the original what the original uh, script was going to be. Well, no, I think he was saying like, you fans made this movie happen. Oh, they were oh. going to cancel the whole thing after the Nazi stuff. And he was oh, just like, hashtag okay. pork cut. I didn't get that. That's of awesome. course being a Snyderverse or a sure. Snyder cut. But if That's you've awesome. listened to Moon Knight, you know how I feel about <laughs> Zack Snyder. Yeah, you almost <laughs> broke up the pod over it. But <laughs> yeah, they did not appreciate that. For I, the girls. I am a huge Ashley fan. I think she's awesome. And whether or not what she does is like the right thing. She's hysterical. Like she is so funny every time she's on the screen. She makes me laugh. Just her reactions, like what the fuck? Like she looks at her phone and like freaks out. Uh, I think she is now like an essential character. Where if they didn't show her, I would be like actually upset. Yeah. I mean, she's that still well role, and I feel like somebody kind of just has to be the manager below Edgar, but like above other people. Like yeah. someone's got to fill that role, and Ashley's killing it right now. So I agree. Also, we what we didn't talk about yet. Uh, Huey and Starlight are out now publicly, and they're mm-hmm. like walking on the red carpet, and you know they're asking for you know solo shots of Starlight. But Huey's embracing it; he's okay. Um, I love that though. I thought they were awesome. Like you know, not hiding everything, like meeting up on a subway underground and making sure your chip is like cut in half or well Huey's also a lot more camera ready nowadays with his mm-hmm. suits and whatnot so you know it's it's a win-win all around he also is immunity which is the biggest thing because all of season two they were in hiding but mm-hmm. Huey backing mm-hmm. up and like bumping into Homelander I was like oh my god how is this yeah. it's so crazy how far they've come especially because Homelander right now is deteriorating like yeah. Tony Starr is his name Tony Starr the actor yeah, he is crushing it with the manic eyes, like the just the the fury that's going on and and the like internal battle that's happening within yeah. Homelander right now is really crazy. And I'm so scared of him because he's just <laughs> going to fucking lose his mind. I had that thought all of these first two episodes of season three is I cannot believe where we are at relationship wise with these characters. Like you said, if Huey bumped into Homelander season one or literally any time in the beginning of, of season two, like he'd just be dead. He'd be lasered. And now he's like, what's up Huey or, or what's he say? He was like, Mr. Yeah. Uh, well, the context of them bumping into each other is the reporters wanted to take pictures of starlight. So they told the boyfriend to go wait in the corner, but who was already in the corner, but, Homelander who they don't care about anymore so it's like yeah he's in a rough spot right now he's and I mean we kind of cut it at the perfect time with two episodes because that's kind of where he snaps unbelievable Mm -hmm. timing I I thought this was like ideal Um, in this scene we also get like somebody in the paparazzi shouting Nadia that was like the first little nod that we got to that and Huey sees it um, so he puts that in the back of his mind um 
then Huey goes to the bathroom and out comes <laughs> Ashley, you know, and he sees Ashley put her hair literally in the trash and then shakes the hand of the director. He's like, I got to wash my hands. So he immediately goes to wash his hands. And of course, Butcher, quiet as can be, sneaks up. Hey, Huey, French blue. Yeah. What's he say? He was like, you look sharp, like French blue, like it suits you. I'm like, yeah, you're so Taking good. The suit. Analyzing everything, too, as soon as he gets in there. Yeah, I'm a big Butcher fan. I actually was not on the boys pod last year, so I don't know where everyone stands with like their top characters. But Butcher was always my number one. I just like cannot get over the accent and his <laughs> one liners. They're just perfection to me. I think he's also just like a really complicated character and I love him. But like in my rewatch, I was like, OK, he's such a dick, but I still <laughs> love him. I still love him so much. And it didn't stop this season. I mean, we'll get into it. But his little like arcs with Ryan and stuff are I can tell that's going to be like a little bit of a heart wrencher oh, yeah. this season. I love that. But love Butcher, Definitely. big Butcher fan. If I remember correctly, I'm pretty sure a majority of us just had Butcher kind of at like four or five, like favorite. Yeah. Not because we didn't like him. It's just like we love everybody else so much. Such so a it's good. Cast. It's good that we got a uh, Butcher stand on the pod for this season because it is yeah. a heavy Butcher season already. Jesus Christ. I know. <laughs> so Butcher is actually coming here asking for the green light. Because, like, Huey is now the guy. Like, in the beginning, they would go to Rainer. Rainer would clean up all the legal issues and take care of it. And he was kind of, like, sucking. Butcher was sucking up to Rainer. Now, Butcher's going to Huey. Like, that is insane. Talk about, look at where we are now. Complete role reversal. And neither of them are used to this. But he's also still trying to manipulate him. Like, nah, don't get it cleared with Newman. Just don't be a pussy and give us the green light. Uh, But he does like dig in his heels and says, you can do it, but just pictures, no violence. Like, don't take it too far. And then that notion is kind of reemphasized in the next scene, which is the first meeting between Huey and Newman, where first off, she's being like weirdly obsessive over like stealing bites of his food. Like, is she trying you? I'll tell you what it is. It's that it is. women order salads all the time and we don't want them. We want the bagel, but women order salads. It's just it's just how we are. We don't want the salad, but we order the salad and then we have to steal the other person's bagel. OK, but do you think that's appropriate workplace etiquette? No. Yeah, I felt like that was a little flirty flirty. So I think I they're was just trying to show how close they are and how like closely they've been working for a yeah. year. Yeah. Yeah, and I know it's it's different, but Brian, if you ever took a bite of my food without me saying it's okay, I'd be like, what the fuck are you doing? Instead of Huey just being like, no, no, it's okay. I feel like Joey from um, Friends, like, Joey doesn't share food. You're free. I literally wrote, like, you're a psychopath for just taking his food and taking a bite. Huey is Mr. Pushover. Wild. He's Mr. Yeah. Pushover. Yeah, true that. The jar bit with Starlight, I was like, I can't. I'm like, Huey can't open this jar ever. Even after five times it's been open, he opens this jar every morning. Just don't tighten it as hard. <laughs> what the Damn. fuck? That's they so make funny. Huey's such a little bitch. It's they, insane. It did remind me of Hancock, you know, how... Well, never mind. That's a bad example. Because even though she's <laughs> even though she's like a superhero, she pretends like she can't open the jar to give it to the guy. But now this is just like a clear like what they say. Well, what do you keep guys around for? It's literally kill spiders and like open jars. So if you take away opening jars, you just literally got one thing left. So Huey feels 
pretty uh, pretty useless right now. And they they give that vibe right from the beginning, like through these scenes. But I think we jumped to Kimiko and Frenchie just infiltrating this party pretty easily. Mm-hmm. They didn't infiltrate; they just walked in. Um, Kimiko, like, it was so good to see these two together because this was our first introduction to them this season. Kimiko just looking beautiful as always. always. Frenchie just immaculately handsome, oh walking God. around the party. <laughs> um, and uh, we can see Butcher too. He is watching on the camera that is hidden in Frenchie's little shirt here. Kimiko has this little like daydream scene where she's singing. And it's not only crazy because obviously Kim, we've never heard Kimiko talk, but this, the sound of the singing doesn't even sound like it would come out of her voice. But I also don't know what her voice sounds like. Come out of her mouth. I mean, like it was, yeah. it was like very high. I was like, oh, is this her actual voice? I realized that I've actually never heard her talk before. I don't know that I've even <laughs> like heard her in an interview or anything. I was like, <gasps> What the fuck? Because I thought like a year later, maybe she's talking and then obviously I'm glad yeah. she's not just because I want to see that character development happen on screen. Yeah. But I was like, oh, that's exciting. In between season two and season three, I actually followed her on Instagram and she has like a whole cooking series and everything. Oh, nice. So it's it's so funny to go to like the smiley, most happy girl on Instagram cooking to like, go. I literally ripped her face <laughs> off last season. Is this me projecting or was I getting like some gay vibes from Kimiko? <laughs> I was like her. Well, I don't know if she's just obsessed with music or because like there's the scene where she's doing that and she's like really admiring it. And then there's also the scene at the amusement park where everything's pride themed and she's like getting so excited. And I'm like, OK, this could go either two ways. Obviously, it's probably just because she's excited to be there. So I think the pride stuff at Vaultland was just a continuation Maeve. of them cashing in on Brave yeah. Maeve. Mm-hmm. I agreed with you that like right when she walked into the piano scene, I saw a little star-crossed lovers thing. But yeah. like then she like didn't follow up and ran away. And I was just like, no, no, no. I was reading into sure. it too much. Sure, sure, sure. Okay. That's, That's funny because I got the exact same thing. I was like, they zoomed in on the piano player. Mm. I was like, you got a little crush. I also was like, dude, Kimiko can sing. And all of a sudden I was like, maybe not. They got me real quick. Um, I I would believe that's her singing just because they had Starlight singing last season. I don't know if that's confirmed, <laughs> but I could definitely believe it. I love me? that they kept bringing back that song that Starlight fucking hated. It was like on the radio and the background <laughs> of TV shows. It's so funny yeah. that this show was the best with the little details in the background. Yeah, they are so good. Yeah, while we get the, the tiny piano, asshole. Yeah, while the <laughs> the tiny asshole. That's what Butcher called. Uh, oh yeah, term this guy who was like, we've been following this tiny asshole for uh, for weeks now or whatever. Anyway, yeah, when they walk into the party, he's like fucking a doll in a dollhouse. But then, you know, he does his act, grows up to life size, and then he takes his boyfriend into the other room. They start hooking up. And this dude just shrinks down and crawls right up this man's urethra. And he wanted it. He wanted it bad. And he was enjoying it until he gets a little coke sneeze. And when you coke sneeze, you grow back up to life size. Obviously. Yeah. And you just blow this guy right up. And he just like screams. Frenchie comes in and then he immediately realizes that he shouldn't be there to see that. And he's like, I didn't see anything. He's going to walk away. And he's like, nah, you can't leave. Actually, some pretty cool shots of this dude, like running in mini. Yeah. 
even when he was on the table, like hopping over the lines of Coke, like the way they like showed <laughs> yeah. the dust particles that he would be able to see just because he can see finer, smaller things. I was like, that's actually really that's cool. Amazing. No one does blood and guts like the boys. Horror directors yeah. take notes. The, yeah. It is fucking incredible. But what I liked is that he still had like super strength, even as a tiny thing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Whipping. Mm-hmm them around the room which i thought was cool i was like oh i'm actually i was shocked by that i was shocked by that power oh my, just frenchy like 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 you guys said the boys at this point is kind of known for being like over the top like but also just gory but hysterical so like we know it's coming but they also get scenes like this where they're showing the the whole the penis hole and this guy's fucking on the table like flopped out um and it's just like i I'm so happy. Whoever's running the show, just keep doing it because it constantly blows us away. The scene is 100% going to be etched in my memory forever. And we've actually seen Termite before in season one of episode one uh, or episode one of season one. Was he in the nightclub? He was that butcher brought Huey to. He like literally shrunk and then jumped and dove into a girl's badge. So he was he was doing it again. And then he sees Huey, or I'm sorry, he sees Frenchie, and he's like, I need to get inside your asshole right now. You can't you can't see any of this. So he literally tries to go inside Frenchie's ass, and that's when Kimiko runs in, and she's like reaching down his pants and everything, trying to get it out, and pulls him out like he's a mouse. I thought it was an amazing scene. But it was Butcher in the end who gets the save, and how do you stop a mini soup? You trap him in a little bag of Coke. Just shake him up <laughs> a little bit. This was absolutely ridiculous. Just like shaking him up. That dude, I, I couldn't even imagine. I, one, didn't know that the penis was a penis at first. I was like, is that a butthole? I was mm-hmm. really confused on that. I was like, huh. And, t- and then as soon as he started walking down it, I was like, okay, it's definitely a urethra. Just like you said. <laughs> well, he goes, I want you inside me. So I'm like, okay, this guy's going to shrink down and go in his butt. But then he like, yeah, literally plops it out on the table and he goes, I'm going to rock your dick so hard. <laughs> I was just like, I cannot believe that they're just showing him in a tunnel, just tickling the walls <laughs> left and right. Insane. Just- How would that feel? How do you think that would feel? Strange. Very strange. I would have no interest. I, I want I want no part of that. Okay. He would can't be not, dirty too. I can't uh, oh, so dirty. Yeah. Can't knock until you try it, I guess. But that's I'm, UTI town. <laughs> he did not shower before he went in there. It's no. also death town, I guess. <laughs> I don't know. So like he gets trapped in a bag of coke and butcher's about to like put his thumb on him like a cockroach, but then he's like, ah call the FBI. Let's do this the right way. Go, go with Huey. Um, and then we don't really get closure on that. We kind of went through Huey's transformation, drinking smoothies on the elliptical. Um, and then we get the scene at the FBSA with Newman. Again, she's like taking bites out of them and they make this bet. They're like, how much do you want to bet that butcher and his team screwed it up with termite? termite like they always do. So it seems like he's got a history even within the FBSA of, you know, going too far on these soup assignments. Yeah. And this is also the second time when Tony shows up and is saying, hey, I want Nadia. I want Nadia. Um, And Huey's just like, nah, that's that's Newman, not Nadia. Yeah. And he literally gets security to uh, escort him out because he's like, dude, this guy's off his pills. But he does keep it in the back of his mind. He's like, hey, Tony, just tell her Tony sent you. 
Do you a- think that it would have worked better if they didn't show us that Nadia was the head exploder in season two? Or do you think that it's a Rainer? We'll call her Rainer, right? So it's Newman. No. Rainer oh, it's is Newman. the one that died season two. Sorry. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, Newman. Good. Do you think what do you think? Because I I mean, I don't care either way, but knowing that I guess we get kind of two reveals, right? We get the reveal in season two and then we get to watch Huey get the reveal in season three. I guess that's more effective. Mm. I actually have been thinking about this. I wish they saved it for season three and we got it revealed when Huey got it revealed. Um, And it's only because they totally like they could have done season two exactly the same without panning to Newman. Like they still could have had Alistair get his like head popped and they could have like left that a secret for all the gap between season two and three. I would have been good with that. So I would argue that the entire point of season two was to figure out who was the mole pop in the heads because they showed Rainer got a head pop in episode one. So I personally thought the reveal was kind of like the season two long reveal and they didn't make us like wait for it anymore because that was kind of like the big payoff. Um, and then exactly what Kathleen said, like I was thinking, how long is Huey going to work under this narc without realizing like she's actually a murdering a bunch of people? I thought it was going to be all season long. I had no idea it was going to happen. So I was happy that Huey actually got to see that right off the bat. So n- now that he knows he's working for like the people he hates. Something so personally, else. I liked it, but could go either way. Something I just remembered is Cindy is still out there roaming around. Like, yeah. there's another head popper. Yeah, that's a whole body implosion popper thing too. That was insane. Yeah. I was thinking how effective Diabolical was as like supplemental content because multiple of the episodes were just showing you all the different kind of soups and parents that that hate their kids because they're soups and stuff like that. I just think that the we got a few last season of just like random soups, but I think it's so effective to see like later on when we see Nadia growing up and and Huey going to this like orphan home, all these orphan soups because Mm -hmm. they can't handle and how bad it can be. I just like really think Diabolical was such good supplemental content now that we're diving into season three, um, just where the storyline is going to go. I just thought it was chef's kiss. Definitely. I mean, already the episode about like, I'm your pusher, like all the soups and the drug addictions literally happened. Episode one, this dude termite got foiled by his own drug addiction for, for Coke and literally OD'd on Coke. Um, and Red River, that orphanage, it was like right out of Diabolical too. you know, soups that accidentally killed their parents when they were young because they didn't know their powers or whatever. So I think the Vought verse or whatever it is, is could be huge. I'm enjoying it a lot. Even like the the boy band, like we get supersonic. Like when I was a young soup, like I was in a boy band, which if you guys didn't listen to all the lyrics of that song, I guess that's episode two. So we should wait for that. All right. Should we jump into the deep? Who is arguably probably hate to say it. My least favorite storyline of uh, like in season one. First of all, I love Chase Crawford. um, Super hot. But I just think that like his storyline in season two of the church was ridiculous. I never got to talk about it on the pod, but even in three, I'm like, 
I actually like it now that like I liked his scene with Homelander um, when he comes into contact with. Yeah. Yeah. With Homelander. But the how, what, what do you guys think about the deep? I've never talked to you guys about it. Um, I Huge. love the deep. Huge, <laughs> Huge deep fans over here. I, I think I think the show accomplished everything they wanted to with the characters, have him be this horrible villain, sexual assailant, and then actually have us as an audience rooting for his redemption arc. Once he finds the church and you see, he's just this dumb little puppy who's being manipulated by Vaught. Um, and every time he's on the screen, he's a scene stealer for me. And he, he always gets a laugh from me. Just first time we see him, he's like, yo, bro, is that you to Homelander who yeah. is not in the fucking mood at all? And it's just so perfect. It, it's phenomenal. Uh, Chase Crawford, like you said, we love him. His acting is hysterical because he was a complete punching bag last season. But now, yeah, he sees Homelanders. He's like, dude, my numbers are going up. Like, <laughs> up. He was like, dude, I wrote this book. Um, it's selling. It's telling my story about getting Deeper. out of that church. Yeah. yeah. Amazing. <laughs> how, yeah. And uh, of course, all Homelander gets out of this is, how did you have the slot before me? And Deep's like, what? And Ash is like, oh, my God. She's in the background freaking out. Um, and Deep's like, oh, the, sorry, man. I was, the talent scout must have uh, fucked up. Um, and he was like, no, no, no. I want to hear it from, from you. And he, the Deep is like, I don't know. That's fucked up, man. I mean, I'm, I'm nothing compared to you. Um, so to you his credit, Deep is very well handled now. And he knows exactly what to say and when. Yeah. Well, his uh, wife is literally like, what was that? And he was like, yeah. I know that went pretty well. Yeah. <laughs> and for the record, like I, this show is flawless to me, really. So if he's my least favorite storyline, it's the least favorite storyline of a near perfect show. So, yeah. you know what and I mean? If, it's And if he's your least favorite, he's two of our kind of favorites. <laughs> so, you know, it evens out even, and it doesn't mean I don't like again. it. It's just not my favorite when he's on screen. I, I think he's great, but I, I, yeah, his storylines don't really mean much in the grand scheme of things to me. I, yeah, exactly. I can see what you're saying. He's more of a comedic storyline now. He's not like big plot, big picture stuff, kind of like when he was a part of the seven. Mm -hmm. And just around the scene out, Homelander does eventually get on this talk show and everyone's just asking him and we I, I think we may have skipped this yeah. um every interviewer is like how did you not know she was a Nazi and he it, there's just scene scene after scene after scene yeah. montage of all these different reporters asking him and I'm like oh my god this just is a man who fell in love with the wrong woman <laughs> yeah he's got over the and over to dancer yeah speaking of that Stormfront being alive for at least the first two episodes that was awesome I was it so glad because she wasn't dead yeah, insane. I definitely thought she was dead personally, but it makes sense. She's a soup. So I <laughs> I thought they were going to go Darth Vader and give her like a robotic suit and make her like this awesome villain. But yeah, it seems like they're not going that route. But it was great to see her these first two episodes. And I mean, they used her in perfect fashion. She was jerking Homelander off with her only good arm. She was like, nobody suffers like you here. Come over <laughs> oh here. Oh, my God. It's perfection. It really is perfection. <laughs> and Homelander literally goes over and he's like, he's talking. He was like, they don't understand. I've get here you go. I've given everything <laughs> to this. I've given my entire life. I'm like, it is absolutely perfect. 
Um, it really is. It, it was great. And I'm I'm really happy with what they did with her and like how it's going to how it did affect Homelander, how we saw it affect Homelander. But do you think she could still use her like the storm powers out of her hand, out of her one good hand? I'd say probably not. Didn't oh. seem like it. Nah, just because mm. she was so beat. She could like barely breathe. I feel like she could like. Yeah, so Stormfront is on some shit. She is absolutely just going full Nazi, like speaking in <laughs> German and just going full out. And yeah. he's like, what? No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, she's like jerking him, being like, yeah, yeah, you're going to come back and you're going to lead a complete army of Aryan races. <laughs> and he's like, you're totally ruining this for me. Like, what are you, what are you saying? Yeah. Yeah, and eventually, I don't know if it's in in this scene, but he's like, I don't need that. I I'm I'm the bad. There's already need. I don't need the Aryan race. I am the Aryan race. That's the point. Like he's he's already establishing it's it's me. It's the me show. I I am the finished product and all we Uh, need. I don't think he says Aryan race. I think he says ultimate race. And yeah, you might be right. Just to, to get at because we've seen. Like, obviously, since day one, the God complex that he has, but it's really coming to the spotlight in these episodes, um, just because he's saying, like, I am the best. I mean, episode two's name is the only man in the sky, which, holy shit, that's something you got to stick around for because we're going to freak out about that later. (laughs) But yeah, he is. uh, He basically is like, why are these ants not idolizing me? I'm, I'm a god. Yeah, and I mean, Edgar is pushing him and pushing him and pushing him. It makes me so nervous whenever those two have an interaction because I'm like, bro, just take it easy. I know. <laughs> it's True. insane. To uh, jump back a little bit to go mm-hmm. to Butcher. Um, so when we watched him watching on the camera, he was buying a Connect 4 game on Amazon. Cut to a few scenes later, he is now going through security checkpoints and going up to this resident residential looking home to see Ryan and mm-hmm. Ryan is out here with Grace Mallory. Um, and he's basically just continuing to be homeschooled, being hidden from Homelander. But the way Ryan runs out to go hug butcher and like literally like runs into him and almost knocks him back a little bit. It's like butcher is the light in this guy's life. Now, like <laughs> Ryan looks up to butcher, like he is his father figure. Fuck me up. Yeah, love me some butcher. Yeah, this is an awesome development. I like how he's embracing it. And it's all for Becca. So, you know, he just love love that woman more than anything. Um, Mm -hmm. Playing connect four with him. I love I love Ryan too. this kid's great. (laughs) He's just this dorky little like makes Lego videos. What a cool little hobby for a kid. Yeah, I love this scene. And of course, he would stick it with Mallory like she's going to protect. Yeah. Let me do a quick little comparison that I just thought of in this moment. Um, famously, I mean, maybe not famously, maybe this is just my idea. When they cast Carl in Walking Dead, he ends up being like a main part. Right. And we can maybe cut this, but I I mean, like. I didn't like watching Carl on The Walking Dead. Like you cast a little kid and he's supposed to grow up and be the new Rick or whatever. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then they cast same difference. Like you cast a little kid and you got to kind of cross your fingers because 
I feel like Ryan's going to be a big part of this. Like he's going to have a face off with his dad at some point if they get enough seasons. Don't you, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, definitely, especially, especially. Well, I'm hoping for it maybe more than thinking, but uh, definitely a huge possibility. And even in this scene, Ryan is telling Butcher about his nightmares about Homelander coming down, destroying everything and then killing him. Butcher says to him, you know, hey, like after a little bit longer, you're going to get stronger and he can't hurt you or scare you anymore. So that literally it sounds like Butcher was like setting up a, a future battle between these two, really? which, uh, yeah, I don't know. I hope it gets that far. I feel like Butcher might kill Homelander before then somehow. God knows, though. <laughs> I mean, they established in season two that whether they have multiple, Ryan is one of the contingency plans in Vault's arsenal to defend against Homelander if he ever does snap. So, yeah, I see a face off happening. Uh, I would also see them recasting like a little like a nice 20 year old for like a time skip, something like that. But I guess probably me. You have to work out a little bit for you, though, Strong. <laughs> Definitely <laughs> not, Paul. That's the only thing we can assure. I was going to say we get some cool info on Butcher here. He's been sober for the past year, this entire time skip. Yeah. He hasn't made any trouble. He follows all of Huey's orders. Grace is telling him all this, like, hey, you're doing it for Ryan, even if you don't recognize it. Uh, we also go on to learn that Marvin, M.M., Mother's Milk, he is out of the game mm. and he is back with his family. So we got that little uh, drop right there. Um, but yeah, the whole thing is, even if Butcher doesn't realize it, everything he's doing isn't really for Becca. It's for Ryan. Mm-hmm. And we can touch on M.M. really quick. I knew it as soon as he walked into that party that he was not with his wife. I was like, mm, no. that poor guy has to throw a fucking soup themed party for his daughter. <laughs> yeah, that's it's ridiculous. Horrible. It's just I love the way that they show that the soups take over this world. They walk into a convenience store and there's a, a poster of Maeve on the, like a, a cardboard cutout of Maeve or they go into the hospital at one point and they're like, you can do it. It's like the soups on the walls. It's like every ounce of this yeah. world. And even like the daughter has no idea and just like loves it. And the VCU is just everywhere. Yeah. And oh my God, it's like Disney. Close. It's like a Disney party, like Disney princesses yeah. everywhere. Like it's, it's the equivalent over in that. I mean, freaking superman birthday parties um mm-hmm. and i love how mm is always so throwback he's always like 90s 2000s he gets his daughter a flavor flave clock on a chain love it last season he was wearing like the dr j like philly jerseys uh everything about him is is so cool i don't know what it is i love it couldn't agree more. I think everybody loves Mother's Milk. He's just supposed to be that like paternal figure just to tell you everything's going to be OK. Um, but at the party, we see his uh, ex-wife at this point. Monique has moved on. There's a new father figure, this guy, Todd, in the house acting as stepdad to Janine. Um, also, after he gives Janine the present, like he's kind of organizing plates. So his OCD ticks are presenting again. Uh, and he kind of proposes, yo, Monique, maybe we can go out to dinner, have some tilapia, which we know Monique loves tilapia. <laughs> um, but it was like their first date restaurant. He's trying to get back into her good graces. And Monique's like, you got to move on. So that's kind of what MM's dealing with uh, in his life as a civilian. Yeah. I 
felt so bad for him. I felt so happy for him in the beginning when they're like, oh, family picture. And they're like, oh, like, Todd, get in here. I'm like, oh, you son of a bitch. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Monique says here, like, are, are you uh, taking your meds? And he just says, you know, I'm fine. So that was like the beginning introduction to his storyline of right. struggling with his OCD. Should we move on to the Edgar scene? Because I love this fucking scene. Yeah. The Edgar <laughs> Homelander Starlight scene. Yeah. So what was his politician's name? Did you have that? So before the Edgar Homelander and Starlight scene, uh, Edgar sits down with Robert Singer, who was mm-hmm. actually in season two briefly. Uh, but now flash forward a year in season three, he's running for president. So I think he's going to be a pretty prominent political figure in season three for us. And Edgar is kind of debuting or giving him the pitch for V24, which is a new variant of Compound V, which gives soldiers superhero effects for 24 hours you know they take the dose they get it and then it just dissipates um and edgar is pitching this as kind of the perfect product like the final version of compound v because it doesn't make lasting heroes that have to be kind of groomed and worshipped and taken care of and made tv stars it's just you can give it to a soldier and they'll act like a soldier for 24 Mm -hmm. hours just with superpowers Two yeah. million dollars a pop. Yeah. Yes. And and what he was saying is, you know, the Department of Defense, you know, is going to need to come back and buy over and over again. So it's almost like the perfect business plan. Mm-hmm. Um, this guy was also in the background of a scene earlier. I think it was with Huey and mm-hmm. uh, Newman. He was kind of his political uh, ad campaign was running in the background. So. Brian, I think you're right. I think he's going to keep coming back. A little piece of information we get in this scene is that Noir did something bad at a Hard Rock Cafe. In Lagos. (laughs) Down in Lagos. He was like, dude, that that shit should be brought up on war crimes. (laughs) Yeah. He's like, all right, close the doors. Let's get to this private talk. Uh, I was like scared for that guy for a second when all the big iron doors were closing. Then Edgar's like, you know what? You're right. Like, this is stupid. And Brian, you went on to what you said. Yeah. I'm sick of playing babysitter to these spoiled toddlers. And Edgar's kind of always been pitching this. He's more a businessman than a TV producer or anything like that. And he's been saying since we've seen him in season two that Vaught is first and foremost a pharmaceutical company who's... Mm-hmm. Best product is Compound V, not Homelander. Um, And he said, even in this conversation, you know, I I plan to be out of the superhero industry in five years. So this is his exit plan. Um, Yeah. And essentially what this new president elect Robert Singer is saying is Compound V is still radioactive in Congress since the Nazi scandal with Stormfront. Like, we're never going to go for this no matter what you say, to which he says, I still have a string or two to pull in Congress. And then we flash to Newman and Huey. Yep. Psycho eating his bagel again. Literally, that's exactly what she's doing. It is exactly what she's doing. But she also cashes in from the last conversation because Butcher did, in fact, blow it with Termite by trapping him in a bag of Coke. So he was able to walk free and they had to make kind of a deal to get three B-listers instead of the one assumedly A-lister being Termite. Uh, And Huey's all pissed. So I have a question for you. Did Butcher actually blow it or do you think they could have gotten him? But Newman was just doing Stan Edgar's bidding. In the sense that 
Edgar didn't want Termite to go to prison because it's like worse look. So Edgar got Newman, you know, his plant in Congress to just get these soups off and and put in this rehabilitation camp somewhere in Ohio or Iowa or whatever it was. Honestly, it could be either or. And that's kind of the point of this season is how fucked the boys are, because if they got Congress and Edgar both under Vaught's I don't know what I'm doing here. Fingertips. Yeah, puppeteering. <laughs> that's exactly what I wanted. Um, then there's nothing they could do. So the motivation could have been either of the things you just said. Uh, I would lean probably towards the prior because she said she lost any negotiating leverage when he OD'd on coke because of Butcher. Yeah, I, I think Huey said it best at the end of two when he's like, everything's rigged. We have to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Every, absolutely. Everything is rigged and it could, it could be either Paul, I think, but um, I, I feel like it was trading pieces. Literally. Like they were like, Oh, mm-hmm. we couldn't get termite, but we got cold snap. And then two other random soups. And he was yeah. like fucking B listers. It's like the same thing with like, you know, criminals like, Oh, like, sorry, can't, can't yeah. let you have this one, but we'll give you these freaking narcs. honestly. <laughs> Honestly, that's exactly what Homelander says when he flies in to see Butcher at his apartment or whatever. And it's just like, I'm I'm so tired of Vaught and Congress just like making these deals back and forth. Yeah. So a lot of people are upset with these shady dealings. The next scene is just Huey going to tell Butcher and Butcher getting pissed. Like Termite got off and Butcher's like, what the fuck? Like, what are you guys doing? We're tr- we're working our hearts out here. We've been following this guy for months and you just let him run free. He was giving him the come on, dude. Collateral's down sixty percent. Butcher's like that's fucking Newman talking, and you you're just repeating it. Um, Huey and, and Butcher are so up and down; it's insane. I don't. I, I didn't remember them being so up and down until I did do my rewatch, and I'm like, these fucking two. Well, God, they're like inseparable. Brothers. Yeah, they're almost like brothers in the end of season two. You know, when Huey's in the hospital, and I think that's why Butcher is being such like a dick honestly towards Mm -hmm. him because he even brings it up he's like dude i'm sorry if i hurt your feelings when i left and even when you know mm left when he hit him with the when mm left that i actually hurt but you not so much he's just like such a jerk to huey he never he's, gives him even when Huey gets a win, like he'll never give him the satisfaction of it. Um, and yeah. all the while, poor Kimiko is like practicing her piano, <laughs> just getting yelled at. So perfect. And then, he, you know, Butcher rips her head off and Frenchie's like, ah, forget about it. And on the way out, Huey's just like, I thought you sounded great, Kimiko. Oh, love him. Frenchie's Breaks little look to Huey when Huey compliments Kimiko with like the, the gratefulness. The, Thank like, you. Yeah, (laughs) she really needed that. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) it's amazing. And then as Huey walks out, I think the next thing we just get is Butcher at his apartment. He's watching the airplane video, the one of Homelander and Maeve in the airplane that Homelander destroyed and then just not saving a single innocent Homelander literally saying, what are we going to save one so they can tell them we let everybody else die? So this is what actually... Homelander says when he's getting jerked by Stormfront, he's like, they hold that video over my head every single day. Like they they think nothing of me now. So Butcher's watching this video to keep the hatred alive is what I was getting from it. If we're at this, does that, is that when Maeve walks in? 
Or are we not there yet? Not yet. They okay. they kind of reveal that a few scenes later. This scene is the one you were asking about with Edgar, Starlight, and Homelander, where they announced the co-captaincy. So if you have anything you want to say about it. Edgar's just stirring shit. He really is. I mean, he sees Homelander losing it, and he's like, what can I do? I mean, she has the points. She does. My sweet, sweet girl has the points. So yeah. like, 96% approval rating. It's a record. It's a vault record. Really? So yeah, Ka- Kathleen, I have an all caps. Edgar is playing a dangerous game because mm-hmm. he, he's Starlight's reaction is perfect too. immediately. She's like, I don't want it. Like it's Homelander. He's the captain. Like if anybody, it should be Maeve. <laughs> yeah. To go. Oh my gosh. She does not want that. To go further on that point, I think Stan Edgar knows exactly what he's doing down to the T where he got there before Homelander did because he needed to get to the head chair before Homelander did. Because as we saw, we even like Homelander gave a little try for a second (laughs) because he wanted to get there first. And then Edgar got there and sat down and he's like, oh, my God, turns around. So. When Edgar sends Homelander out of the room and it's just Starlight and him and he's like, what I'm offering you is real power. And that's what finally tempts her. Like she can fill out the seven, yada, yada. Um, Mm -hmm. But he's like, as long as I am the CEO of Vought, Homelander won't do anything or something like that. Do we know what his trump card is? Because it doesn't that did not seem like he was alluding to the plane video. I think he just has so much more dirt from his Homelander's entire life. Every incident that they've covered up, I feel like uh, Edgar's kept the receipts and just could pull it out anytime. Okay. I, the way he said it, I thought he was alluding to like one specific thing that was like his deal. Homelander's never going to cross me because of this. Um, And we, if that thing does exist, we don't know it. Right. Mm. Not. Yeah. Not that. Okay. I I gotcha. But what, even makes that statement crazier is that so starlight says no immediately when she first gets off with her co-captaincy that's when egger was like hey homelander can you give us a moment it's like oh no like yeah talk to megan we'll pencil you in and homelander's like i'm busy yeah. i don't think you can get to it as, as soon as the doors close uh egger is like saying something like oh who cares if he wants to be pissy starlight's like dude he can't hear you and Edgar's like, I don't care. Like, let him be pissy. Like, he, it doesn't matter. Um, and that is just completely insane to go off what you're saying, Brian. Like, what does he have over Homelander? Because he's literally saying to Homelander, basically to his face, like, uh, you can't do anything. And actually, I did write down the quote. Specifically, it says, as long as I'm CEO, he's under control. So, uh, yeah, he's got something for sure. That's almost like telling him, though, oh, you take me out. Homelander's going to run wild. <laughs> but then I he looks they- at but then he looks at Starlight and says, we both know why. Like, it's very ambiguous. It, to be honest, I, I'm, I didn't think of anything specific, but huh. I like that you're picking up on it. Do you think Newman could explode Homelander's head? Great question. I don't know. I've been thinking that the whole time because they were in the courtroom together. Like she could have just got him. So like, I feel like it starts at the inside out when she explodes it. You know what I mean? And that's we know for a fact that like when translucent, they exploded him from the inside. Mm-hmm. So what I was getting the later scene on when she and Tony finally talked in the alley, um, like she hugs him and his nose starts to bleed. 
I kind of got that as he was kind of resisting a little bit or it was taking longer, harder for to do it to this soup uh, just because he's stronger and more adorable. And that's why he was only getting a nosebleed. I have no idea though, because the same thing happened to Rainer. Rainer started getting a nosebleed yeah. and, and then her head popped. So I, it's a good question. And yeah. I hope we get some answers because we had the same thing about like Stormfront. I was like, Hey, like what's Stormfront? Like how strong is she? And then we got yeah. Homelander lasering her tits off, but not actually. So we're like, yeah. oh, we can, we know we can, uh, she can withstand that. So they do a really good job of kind of setting the boundaries. I'm sure we'll get it later. That means Ryan's power was absolutely just over insane. the top. Dude. He ripped her legs oh, yeah. off and her arm and her ha- face. <laughs> yeah. Gonna yeah. kill Becca. Still did. <laughs> Kill Becca, I guess, yeah. but you know, it's a technicality. It wasn't Ryan's fault. Nobody blames you, Ryan. Magic um, comes from pain, you guys, in case you yes. don't exactly. really know it. <laughs> All right. Uh, to close out that scene, I just want to say fucking Giancarlo Esposito with the voice cadence of the Edgar. Er, dude, you know what yeah. I'm saying, Paul. Just yeah. the way he has his cadence to his voice, like it's such a good villain, antagonist, mm-hmm. whatever. Yep. I also loved the the his last line, you know, real power is the ability to bend the world to your will. Like you, you star like can decide what the seven does, full authority, full authority, like to fill the team's empty spots, where they go, who they support. He's offering, you know, real power. And you can see Starlight kind of gripping the chair, like shit, you might have a point. Yeah, it's a big deal. So is this when Maeve comes to Vine Butcher? This is actually the deep back on Cameron Coleman hour talking about uh, they haven't seen Preacher Alistair in a long time. We know Mm. his head got blown up at the end of season two. Uh, Deep says he's on sabbatical, but Deep is still on a mission to free the hundreds of people trapped in that church fueled or ran by Alistair. Um, And then they pull up the book. You know, deeper with him reaching up out of the water. Absolutely beautiful satirical work. Um, <laughs> and they tell him that deeper has been a real game changer for the deep. He's actually been called the thinking person's superhero. <laughs> and we were like, if you knew anything about the deep, <laughs> no, no, no. Not yeah, that's so dumb. He's a pretty boy, though. So it's Huey flipping the channels. The first thing is the deep interview, and then he flips to uh, it's an advertisement for this show, American Hero, and it's Starlight's reality TV show trying to fill the rest of the seven. Um, and they're highlighting Drummer Boy, or this dude formerly named Drummer Boy, who has now grown up and rebranded himself as Supersonic. Uh, as we all know from previous seasons, Drummer Boy used to have a little fling with Star light back in the uh capes for christ days so yeah love love that they dropped that in season two and it comes full circle yeah honestly i think it was season nah it was season i think it was season one yeah when they went to ezekiel's thing yeah so they planted that seed in season one oh yeah another like nod to how good this show is at doing everything right honestly <laughs> let's uh, let's not kid ourselves here uh but turns off the tv and he walks on set and it's starlight talking mm-hmm. to supersonic and come on guys supersonic seems like a nice guy doesn't he he does uh honestly kind of mm-hmm. I, I was like waiting for him to be like the scumbag i actually am trying to steal your girl but like i don't know i feel like he is just kind of a, a trying to f- be part of the seven more than trying to you know, get with yeah. Starlight. I agree. But Huey's 
also like nervous boyfriend. He's super defensive, putting like very touchy feely, yeah. putting his arms around her. He's um, like- and he shares this story about how back in the day, Starlight used to have a wild side, essentially, and like puked on stage in front of like a festival crowd after drinking bottomless margaritas all day. So like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't think Starlight had that in her. And he was just like, oh, she has a wild side <laughs> big time. And I was like, all right, dude, take it fucking easy, bro. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that was like the worst he kind of gets. Uh, yeah, but that conversation, Huey's freaking out, walking with Starlight later. And Starlight immediately is like, Huey, you're horrible at hiding something. You have nothing to fear. I do. I'm not interested in him at all. I'm dating you. Um, We barely even had sex. You know, we were super religious and we weren't married. So it felt weird. So, you know, we barely had sex or like, you know, sex, sex. We did a ton of butt stuff. And she just like (laughs) freaks out. She's like, I'm kidding. Uh, Yeah, they're they're great together. Um, I feel like they're like on screen together more this season, obviously, because like they're dating. Makes sense. Yeah. But I love it because like you and Starlight. They, yeah, aren't they mm-hmm. like best friends in real life or something like that? Oh, they are. They're, like time. really good friends. I haven't even said how obsessed I am with Starlight. She's like my ultimate crush of all time. She is <laughs> she rocks. fucking cool. I love her. Big yeah. fan. Big fan. She can do yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also, her line from her um, uh, American Hero uh, show or whatever, she gets up on stage and is like, "Livewire, please hang up your cape and go." It's like, dude, that's that's your dramatic cut line. That's hysterical. It's also just ridiculous what they make the soups do. Like now, like so much bad stuff is happening and she yeah. has to do this fucking reality show. And then the next thing host uh, Homelander's birthday party. Yeah. Like It's so crazy. And it's brutal. That's the beauty of the show. Well, yeah. And that was her realization. Season one, when she got in the seven, she was just like, now that I'm the official superhero, I'm not fighting any crime. It's all just like TV and movies. Mm. It's just great. Um, so w- right now we just uh, get Starlight and Huey talking about the offer, right? And the, the co-captaincy offer yeah. in the trailer. Oh, Huey. Uh, Huey. Huey's just being super... Uh, What's he, the had, word? he had valid concerns, but he's he's being a toxic personality. Yeah. <laughs> as Alistair, Alistair. Yeah, as, as he would, Alistair say. would say. But uh, it's just classic, like, it's jealousy is what it is. He comes mm-hmm. out and says, what, you're going to fill the team with your boyfriend to help you take down Homelander is essentially what it comes to. And she's mm-hmm. like, honestly, dude, this is a yeah. bad look for you. Especially yeah. after she just goes, like, I would be the first captain, woman captain anywhere for any superhero team anywhere, like that could mean a lot. And Huey's yeah, becoming like personal, like, well, you don't love me. It's, like, well, it's not what we're talking about right now. His main concern, or at least what he was masking his other concerns with is, is really protection, right? Like for he sure. wanted to Safety protect her. He thinks Homelander. that Homelander's just going to zap her face off if she actually takes it, which okay. is the only valid concern. The rest, he can beat it because I was like, annoyed uh, which, to be fair it. is probably the primary concern too. To be he fair. also he also to does have, <laughs> he does have the line uh where he's like Vaught is the worst thing that's ever happened to us and you know now you're gonna be there Ronald McDonald. I'm like yeah. okay that you got a good point there. Starlight's point is I could try to make Vaught become good or at least be better. So I see we'll it take both them ways. down. Yeah, yeah from within. Mm-hmm. Uh yeah then the next thing we get is just 
them taking pictures of the co-captains now at the vault table. Homelander looks absolutely insane. Ashley's even wincing behind the cameras because she knows it. Yeah, he's tweaked. He didn't even say anything, and you can tell the emotion that he's feeling just by his fake smiles. But as soon as he gets out of the photo op, he rips off the head of the first person he sees, which is poor (laughs) A-Train with his, like, macchiato or whatever, and he's just like... (laughs) A train's put on a few pounds and Homelander lets him know yeah, in yeah. a very Homelander way. Yeah. A train was trying to be nice. Hey, what's up, Homelander? Homelander just, what are you, what are you drinking? He's like, dude, I need 30,000 calories a day. He's like, maybe when you were actually running, now you're all just making us look fat, fastest man alive. What a fucking joke. And like, as he's walking away, never mumble under your breath when Homelander is even close to being nearby because he just says, fuck you. And Homelander goes, what was that? And he turns around, grabs A-Train by the neck, activates his eyes, acts like he's going to laser it. He's just like, say it. Say you're nothing. And A-Train's like, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. Like, sorry. Absolute uh, tyranny. He is terrifying. Yeah, I mean, that's always his thing. uh, Starlight said it best. It's like, when I'm at the tower, it's like walking around with a loaded gun in my face. And that's that's what he is now for everybody in that tower, unfortunately. Uh, but who was there to watch this little interaction? But Queen Maeve, which will lead us to Kathleen's favorite scene of the entire yes. episode. I just wanted to talk about it because I <laughs> had tweeted from the Bingetown account during my rewatch and I was like, I need more Maeve team ups. The girls get it done scene at the end of eight of season two is so fucking good. And they really underutilize Maeve like they use her for this Elena storyline, which, you know, I love, but she's absolutely underutilized. She's just like someone who can maybe control Homelander a little tiny bit and, and have some sway with him. But I was like, we need more team ups. We need her with the other characters because I love Maeve. She's like actually a, one of the good ones. So we need a team up. And I was so pumped. And also, I was really excited that she was in normal fucking clothes. I can't believe that these soups walk around in their outfits all day long, yeah. even on the red carpet in their stupid ass like a train outfit. Homelanders is so gaggy starlights. I'm like. You're on the red carpet. Wear a gown. Like, why are you? Make a bulletproof gown, a bulletproof suit. You don't need your cape on at all times. It's crazy. So I love that she was dressed normal. The deep literally wearing those nets over his arms (laughs) 24-7, even when he was, like, at talking to Alistar. Um, I think Maeve could be – she seemed to have a way bigger part in season two, kind of, like, with her relationship with Homelander. And – it kind of seems like now she's kind of want to be one of the boys. She's literally, we find out butchers connect. She's the one um, that tipped off the boys about termite. Like she was the lead that butcher wouldn't tell Huey about in that opening scene. So she wants to like pretty much take everybody down and she's like, butcher, like, I don't really care about you. I just care that you don't fuck this up Mm -hmm. because this is my only goal is to laser that fucking dude right in the face. Yeah, that dude being Homelander. I can you guys dive into the payback stuff because I didn't take any notes, and I also would just like to hear you guys talk about it. The why Maeve wants payback? 
Isn't the crew called Payback? The crew, yes. Oh, okay. So the superhero squad that it it sounds like they were the big thing before the seven was a thing, and then the seven eventually usurped them and became the top superhero squad. Uh, but yeah, they were called Payback, which has to be a nod to the Avengers. I mean, come on, <laughs> definitely. Um, but they were led by this dude, Soldier Boy, who. I think Butcher even says Soldier Boy, but he was supposed to be as strong as dot 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 Homelander, of course. And this whole file is Maeve thinks that Vought's official story about Soldier Boy's death, which was he was buried in rubble under a nuclear meltdown, which is some pretty strong stuff. Believable. Back in in 84. So we know it was a long time ago. Decades ago. Yeah, decades ago. Um, Butcher always thought it was a load of bollocks and turns out he was right. Uh, And Maeve kind of has the scoop and says, yeah, if you believe the rumors, he was taken out by this thing called Special Red. There were no subtitles. So that's just how I heard it. Special Red. I wrote PCL Red. So there you go. (laughs) It could be all over the place. It ends in red. I'm sure it's going to be red. Um, That's the only bad thing about screeners is no subtitles. We love you for giving us the screeners, but could you please ask? Like- <laughs> <laughs> if you could, if you could, yeah. no trouble. Um, but yeah, and and Maeve's like, I, it might have been an explosion, like a gun, a poison. I don't know what it is, but supposedly it's it's a soup killer. And if anything can take out Homelander, it's the weapon that took out Soldier Boy. Here's the file. Get at it. And I think the one lead she says is if anybody knows, it would be uh, his mistress, who was also in payback, who was called uh, Crimson Countress, Countess. where it would have been his sidekick, who was this dude called Gunpowder. So she says, hey, they're still really dangerous. So here's three shots of this V24. Use at your own discretion. Um, And yeah, get after it, dude. Don't fuck it up, butcher. (laughs) Butcher says, you know, why don't you just ask Black Noir? He was like, dude, Black Noir was in the group, but even if he could talk, he wouldn't fucking tell me. I tried to kill him not too long ago. This tree nut allergy. But this Temp V, just giving it to Butcher, I obviously the trailers leading up to this season, we kind of saw that, but I didn't know it was going to be right away. So Butcher like has this in the back of his head. This is where Maeve says, you know, this is our best chance to kill Homelander. I need you to be a soup because that'll help our chances of killing Homelander. I don't give a shit about your, you know, ethics or whatever about being one of us, quote unquote, just don't fuck up this opportunity. Yeah. And so Brian, you said something earlier and I'm very curious to hear what you guys think. So uh, after this, uh, combo with Maeve Butcher goes back to his apartment he's about to open up a vial we, we, then he hears something it's Homelander landing outside of his, his house so we have this whole conversation and it's really good that we're going to get it into a second mm-hmm. but did you think Homelander was really there or do you think this was all in Butcher's head I think Homelander was really there okay Same. Do okay because I was on the fence. Obviously, as I'm watching the scene, I think Homelander's there. And then we kind of get to the end and Butcher kind of looks away and looks back and Homelander's gone. You could take that as two ways. Homelander's super fast and got out of there or it was all in his head. The only reason I definitely thought it was in his head or I was leaning that way was because of the beginning of season two 
Paul, I actually think you're right. I actually think it was in his head because we so often hear Homelander like the air. He's so fast. You don't just disappear. He's not Mm -hmm. like he can't evaporate into thin air. Like we would have heard him bounce. And a lot of that conversation really is. I was like, why is Homelander just like chilling with Butcher having this conversation? You know what I mean? I I think Mm -hmm. it's Butcher going a little mad. I think you're right now that you're saying this. Because to be honest, we didn't get any new information from Homelander. It seems all uh, like an internal struggle struggle in Butcher's mind, whether or not he should take this vial or not. Because we just had the whole, you know, I'm doing the right thing for Ryan. But, you know, if this means taking out Homelander, is that technically the right thing? Um, To get into the actual conversation between them, whether it was actually Homelander or not, He's saying, where's Ryan? Butcher says, you know, 673, nosh my bollocks out or something like that. Homelander saying, you know, I could just laser you if you don't tell me. Like, I could squash you like a bug. And Butcher's saying, you know, I don't care. Just get to the point where you laser me because I'm not going to tell you. Homelander's like, dude, where's the fun in that? It's like putting down a wounded dog. There's no sport in that. Butcher goes back, well, well, you're the one with the tail between your legs. And now that, you know, Starlight is your co-captain, we get the nice little touche, William, touche, which I hope Homelander was actually there because that was a real interaction where Homelander actually has respect for Butcher. That would be incredible. But to just go on real quickly through the end, Butcher's like, why are you here? This is Homelander's big thing. Vaught and the fucking Bureau, they treat us like old play things. They treat us like we're obsolete. They put us on the shelf disregard us doesn't that make you angry but she says yeah it does what if it doesn't have to be that way what if you and i well what if they what if we share a different destiny you know something more scorched earth shock and all blood and all blood and bone in the end only one thing left standing isn't that what you want butcher's like you know too fucking right that's what he wants he wants to destroy everything honestly he's over saving everybody and uh yeah we get Butcher looking away and then looking back and Homelander's gone. So I think they obviously on purpose kind of left it up in the air for everybody to think. I hope Homelander was there in a sense, but I don't believe, I believe this was all in Butcher's head. I didn't even think of the possibility. He wasn't there, but I'm really glad you brought it up because I think it's worth talking about. Um, And now that you kind of laid it out like that, it could go both ways. It could be, Butcher separately convincing himself into madness internally while using Homelander as kind of a device to get there that, oh, no, I really scorched earth is my path, just like Homelander. We're kind of two of the same, even if we're always opposing each other. I think he was there personally, but no, it's worth talking about for sure. I agree. We'll definitely get an answer. I hope at least. Yeah. But I think we just get. One more scene of M.M. putting mm-hmm. his daughter to sleep, going to his closet. We see he's actually still secretly working. He's addicted. He can't get away. Um, and then this goes to the final scene, right? Yep. I love this fucking yes. scene. B-Times, you want it? Sure, I'll take us through. So uh, Newman and Huey are leaving the FBSA for the night, just going home. And this dude, Tony, is on the sidewalk after uh, Newman walks away and starts yelling, Nadia, Nadia. Huey notices and kind of starts trailing them, follows them into a 
hallway and he gets to overhear the whole conversation. Uh, this Tony guy's like, hey, I think now that you finally have this platform, Nadia, we need to go public with with everything that happened to us at Red River. You know, people need to know my story. It's messed up. Um, and Newman's like, dude, I can't. I can't. And then she's like, OK. I'll do it for you. And then they hug. And Paul, you already alluded his nose started to bleed. And we know what that means. But Tony knows who Nadia is. So he kind of knows how to protect himself. And he goes right for the eyes. So now we know how that power works. She has to. Well, maybe we don't know exactly how it works, but it's got something to do with eyesight. I'm not sure if you have to be in the line of sight or what, but you got to be able to visually see the person, whether it's over camera, whatever, doesn't matter. Um, and this is a crazy fight because like, she's a little bit desperate herself and can just barely get like a chip off of his chin. And like this poor guy is alive until like the final blow is dealt. But uh, Kathleen, you said it, nobody does blood and guts like the boys. And this, this was one of those just like, lasting scenes this was a crazy reveal and kathleen now that i'm talking about it you're right it was almost as impactful just seeing it revealed for huey Mm -hmm. than it was for us in season two when just the concept of uh newman being the head popper was revealed yeah great acting he is classic huey right like but just absolutely shocked and being like no like this is this is the opposite of what i wanted like the poor he's just like cowering it's it's classic Huey in two ways. One, he's a great guy, right? He would follow to make sure she's okay. He doesn't want any this guy to do something to to Nadia to uh, Newman, and then two, immediately being like, "Oh fuck!" Like go hiding behind, listening in, and then just being like, "Jesus Christ!" Yeah. Literally goes from "I don't want to get blood on me anymore" to raining blood. It was literally raining blood when uh, Newman. That was her. She's looking down at this like half of a head, jawless figure. She just says, sorry. And that's when she does the final implosion yeah. and like DNA everywhere, but no chance. Like you're going to be able to have somebody identify the body. That was wild. <laughs> New. We finally got the call too. She just immediately calls somebody. Don't really know who it is. I need a team. You know, here's the address East 12th and whatever. Um, and yeah, you're stuck with Huey just being like, like, I thought my life was set up, dude. I had in the beginning on my notes, like, he's living his best life on a Peloton, drinking his shakes. And now he's like, poor Huey. Just, just my boss and friend is a mass murderer. Back to square one. It's unfortunate. It really is. That was a wild ending to episode one. Wild. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 